Can I sleep in your brain tonight, stranger? A Sandman Podfic, written by AQS8 and read by Literarian. Chapter 13 More Than Friends Summary Theo invites his soon-to-be fiancé's new special friend over for dinner. Dream sees an old friend. Hop is about to have a big wake-up call. Theodora Michael Coop's house is a very nice one, by modern standards. Dream stands on the sidewalk outside Theodore's impressive townhouse. It has a three-story yellow brick facade with daring black accents. It presents a striking, bold choice on the end of the row of otherwise plain but well-kept houses in this part of East London. There is a bicycle chained to the fence outside. Dream must admit he rather likes the house. It has taste. Theodore Michael Coop works with data for a large company nearby. He could walk to work if he so desired, and he often does. He dreams of very little except being married. His nightmares often involve the spectre of his homophobic father. Dream ascends the steps to the door, which is also painted black. There is a small button by the doorknob, the use of which Dream thinks is to ring the doorbell. However, there is also a very impressive bronze lion holding a door knocker in his maw, and so Dream lifts up his left hand to use it. His right hand is rather occupied with another bottle of wine. Lucienne did not have to tell him this time. Dream is courteous. The sound of the bronze hitting the sturdy wood door is louder than Dream expects it to be. It also causes a riot of noise from inside the house. Is that him, Robbie? Dream can hear a muffled Theodore shout through the house. My hands are full. I'm getting it, I'm... Hop's voice drifts closer, and then he is opening the door to let Dream in. He's wearing slippers. Hello, stranger. Hop welcomes him with a smile that could cause the sun to rise. Hello, Robert. Dream greets him. Hop grins wickedly at the use of his full name. Dream steps inside. Is this for us? Hop gestures at the bottle and Dream lets him take it. It is, Dream says. He looks around the entryway. There is a carpet on the floor in a blue Turkish pattern that dazzles the eyes and there are artworks on the wall and a whole chandelier hanging from the ceiling which sparkles under the electric lights. Do you want to take off your coat? Hop asks, but Dream barely hears him over the riot of colour and visual stimulus. 
there's a cactus in the corner, standing at about waist height, and a table littered with mail and keys and tiny plants in ceramic pots next to it. Centered on the table, there is a taxidermy of a raven. The raven is posed on a branch, and the little glass marbles where her eyes would blink in life stare out mournfully across the entryway. She is white-breasted. She was his. No, Dream says, half in answer to Hobbes' question. He slowly approaches her. Dream did not know what Alexander Burgess did with the body of Jessamy. He had hoped she would be buried. Dream supposed being burned would have been all right. Alexander had cradled her so gently in his hands. Dream had not considered he would do this. Dream cannot decide if it was incredibly cruel or incredibly kind. He reaches out through the cloudy haze of his mind and runs a finger over her lifeless beak. She will never fly again. She is forever clutching the branch, immortalized by her relation to the earth. Dream decides he hates what Alexander did to her. She should have been laid to rest. She will be, Dream decides. Why, however, is she here? Dream straightens up, turning back to her. The expression on his face must be frightening, because Hob nearly blanches. Theo got her at the same place we... Hob trails off, and Dream knows what he was going to say. Is that him? Theodore's voice careens around the corner a second before the man himself does. It shocks Dream out of his slurry of emotions. The first thing Dream notices is Theodore is a good bit taller than both Dream and Hob. The second is that Theodore has a roguishly charming dimple and puffy, wavy hair. The third, Dream realizes a second too late, is that he is holding out his hand for Dream to shake. Dream takes it. The handshake is almost enough to sweep Dream off his feet, and he lets go almost immediately. Theodore Coop, Theodore introduces himself. You may call me Dream, Dream says, hating that he has to introduce himself. But he doesn't hate it nearly as much as he does this blameless man who had bought not only one careless bauble, but two. Dream was leaving with Jessamy tonight, no matter what this mortal had to say about it. Dream tamps down his anger. Do come inside, Theodore says graciously, and Dream glances back at Hob who just smiles and nods at him. Dream takes one last look at Jessamy and follows them into the kitchen. 
Here, the influence of Theodore's life is seen even more than in the entryway. There is a modest kitchen with inset lights illuminating the island in the center. There is a table set for three with gleaming gold silverware. The open space melts effortlessly into a living room, which hosts bookshelves covered in books and trinkets and yet more plants. Dream can understand why Hope would be attracted to someone like this. Dream brought this, Hope says, placing the wine on the counter. Oh, my thanks, let's see. Theodore appraises the label, but Dream doesn't even know what he has chosen. Something out of an elderly man's dream, a wine that he celebrated with after winning his first case as a public defender. Theodore's eyebrows are trying to escape to his hairline. This is very generous of you, Dream. Thank you. Well, whatever it was, apparently Dream had chosen well. Theodore exchanges a glance with Hob that Dream isn't versed enough to read, and so he crosses into the living room to read the titles on the shelves. Weapons and Warfare in Renaissance Europe Gunpowder, Technology and Tactics Shadowplay The Hidden Beliefs and Coded Politics of William Shakespeare Classical Traditions in Modern Fantasy Not anything close to fine literature or rigorous scholarship, Dream thinks. But it's not his library. Dream runs a finger over the leaves of some waxy stone crop spilling out of its container and then turns back to his hosts. Theodore is driving the corkscrew into the wine and Hob holds up some wine glasses in Dream's direction, winking at him. Robbie told me you two met in a pub, Theodore says, wrenching the cork out of the bottleneck. Dream approaches the kitchen, staying on the outer side of the island. We did, Dream says. Theodore's light eyes glance up at him and they run up and down in a smooth motion. He didn't say much else. Incredibly tight-lipped, this one. Theodore grins back at Hob. It wasn't my story to tell, Hob says easily, shrugging. He places the wine glasses carefully on the granite. The doorbell rings, a clear chime that echoes through the room. I've taken the liberty of ordering out from this amazing restaurant on the waterfront. They make a fantastic ratatouille and just a dozen other lovely things. I'm afraid I forgot to ask ahead. You don't have any dietary restrictions, do you? I ordered something vegan and vegetarian, just in case. Theodore rambles on, while Hop leaves Dream alone with him to go answer the door. Theodore pours them all some wine. He slides Dream's glass over to him. Dream takes it, but only fiddles with the stem. I don't eat much, but no, Dream says. 
he had been under the impression that when you invited one over for a meal, you would be cooking it yourself. Yeah, Robbie mentioned that. Dear, do you need help? Theodore calls towards the entryway. Oh, there's only four fucking bags. How much did you order? Hop shouts back. He sounds exasperated. Dream hides his smile behind a sip of wine. Theodore leaves to go help him. They return with, indeed, four large brown paper bags of food. Dream peers inside the bag closest to him and finds it loaded with square plastic containers. Hob and Theodore swirl around each other in the kitchen, both eager to plate the various appetizers, entrees and, of all things, lobster bisque before they get cold or soggy or otherwise inedible. What ends up on the table is a spread fit for a high-tier restaurant, and Dream finds the spread to be adequate, even if he is going to eat very little of it. The food looks a little too perfect, and it very much fits every other thing in Theodore's eclectic and quaint home. Dream watches Hop bustle around and take his seat. Dream thinks about all the eclectic things in Theo's house and wonders what Hop is doing in this dragon's hoard. Wonderful. Theodore presses his hands together, standing behind what must be his chair. Hop takes the seat to Theodore's left and Dream sits across from Theodore, next to Hop. The next few minutes are full of serving food and various critiques of this dish or that one. Dream finds the food, for all its beautiful appearance, to be rather lackluster. It is rather impersonal, but Theodore doesn't seem to mind that Dream has eaten no more than three bites in total. The conversation sways and drifts from Hop's students to Theodore's latest project, finally around to Dream. And what are you doing now? Theodore asks Dream. I returned home and began setting my affairs back in order. My company had been nearly destroyed by my absence. All is well now. Dream says. It is more than he wanted to say of himself. But he is doing this to set matters straight with Hobbes' beloved, not out of anything Dream owes Theodore. Your company? Theodore's estimation of him goes up again. He was rather easy to play, this one. I am in the business of making people's dreams come true, Dream says with a wry smile. To the side, Hob is watching the conversation with narrowed eyes. Of course, Hob doesn't know how much fun Dream finds lying by omission to be under the right circumstances. I must ask then, if you were so important for your company, how did you end up in the basement? 
Judging by Hobbs' scandalized and bravely angry face, he in no way wanted his lover to ask this. But it is a fair question, and Dream is not a shell-shocked soldier, incapable of jousting. Let us say there were a few forces for that. Old money. Dream flaps a hand across the table, as if to say something you wouldn't understand. Well, I am glad for one to see your friendship rekindled, even if under poor circumstances, Theodore says, seeming satisfied. As am I, Dream says honestly, glancing at Hob. And I suppose you're meeting at the pub? Hob does love the new inn, Theodore says, and Dream realizes that his friend had said nothing at all about where and in what capacity they meet. Dream hides another smile by taking a drink. Oh, lovely Hob, so private and so aware of how Dream likes things. We have gone to a few other places than just the pub, Dream shrugs. Oh? Hob is looking discomforted. Dream pays attention to Hob's part in this. But mostly there, yes. It has memories for the two of us, Dream rejoins. They have never gone to the new inn. Theodore glances at Hob. I will admit you don't look like the kind of guy to frequent such a place, Theodore remarks. It was not my usual place of business, Dream agrees. It was mine, Hob finally breaks in. I recall you were boasting rather loudly with your friends, Dream says. Hop's eyes flash with the memory, now some six centuries ago. Well, you came over and made that wager with me. I thought I was going to get killed or something. <laughs> you had nothing to fear from me. I didn't know that. Hob cries, but there are wrinkles in the corners of his eyes. And what was this wager? Or is it a secret? Theodore asks lightly. It, it is a is secret. a secret. Hob and Dream say at the same time. Dream lets out a small laugh no more than a joyful exhalation as he and Hob share a look. Of course, Theodore would never understand, Dream thinks. Theodore is looking between the two of them, and although his jealousy is well hidden behind his confused smile, Dream practically smells it. Hob begins telling another story with one of his friends, a different wager at a different pub, and all throughout, Dream can sense Theodore's eyes resting on him. 
they clear the table and Grim is graciously left sitting at his spot. Don't worry about helping, Hop says to Dream when he tries to rise. So Dream curls over the back of the chair and watches the pair of them. How long have you had this relationship, Robert? Dream asks him. Well, it's been only, what, three and a half years? Hop answers, scraping some remains of a plate into the trash can. No, almost four, Robbie, Theodore says. I was under the impression you hadn't gone for another relationship, Dream says to Hop, more to see how Theodore reacts. I hadn't in a while, Hop tells him. Theodore is glancing at his partner like he's a new person and Hop hasn't noticed due to their difference in position. You never told me about anyone else, Theodore says. It wasn't important, Hop says, and Dream knows he is growing uncomfortable. What about you, Dream? Theodore directs the conversation back to him. It has been a very long time, Dream answers. That is all that line of questioning will get out of him. Really? Hob is just as interested as Theodore. You never said anything about relationships. It never came up. And as I said, it has been a long time. Graham meets Hobbs' eyes. A long time. Hob nods in understanding while Theodore looks at the two of them. Hob brings out a tart and returns to the table, sighing happily. He appears to be enamored with the simple pastry. Dream refuses the sweets, though he does take a corner which Hob has offered him. The cherry jelly and crumbly dough are at once too sweet and too sour, and Dream swallows dryly. Theodore has his own mousse, which he is picking through with a spoon. It is a nice domestic life, Dream thinks. Hob should be happy here, for a little while at least. Though Dream had been surprised, he had thought Hob would not want to remarry. The customs have changed, and living together like this is not unusual. But Theodore dreams of marriage. Does Hob? It is a private thing to ask, and even more private to know, so Dream merely watches. He is surprised as well that Hop had not been the one to suggest meeting. So Dream had never met Eleanor, only in her dreams, but then the nature of their association was different. The night ends with little more conversation. Dream's mind returns to Jessamy in the entry hall. 
It was a pleasure to meet you properly, Theodore says, shaking Grim's hand again. Likewise, Grim lies. He compels the man to stay away. Nonetheless, Theodore lingers in the hall while Hop follows Grim to the door. Only when Hop sends a glance back does Theodore finally figure things out and he leaves them. I hope that wasn't too bad, Hop murmurs. He's standing a little closer to Dream and he can feel Hop's body warmth radiating off of him. It was not. Hop, I have a favour to ask of you. Anything, I meant it, Hop says. His earnest eyes are shining. I am afraid I have to take her with me, Dream says, approaching the table where Jessamy's body lies. Did you know her? Hop asks. Uncommonly well. Graham says, and he reaches out and cradles her. He will burn it. Her body will fly towards the heavens one last time. He tucks her into his coat, like she liked to do when he was feeling low, and turns back to Hob. You have done me a great service many times over, Graham tells him. Hop blinks. Ah, uh, of course. Dream takes Hop's limp hand and squeezes it once. I will see you again next week. Hop's eyes are kind as they stare into Dream's. Dream turns away from him and exits into the night.